Well, hello White Sox fans and welcome to another episode of White Sox Daily Live. My name is Ian Eskridge. I'm here with my co-host, the Danny Miller. How you doing, Danny? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's all I got, man. I mean, I got a lot more, but, uh, you know, that question has been asked to me a few times over the last few days and, uh, you know, I, I don't have much good to say, so <laughs> let's just get rolling. <laughs> it's been a week, man. <laughs> Holy crap. Uh, so, uh, losers of seven in a row. Uh, the White Sox look like dead men walking. It's been a fairly awful week. Uh, they did manage to score over three runs yesterday, uh, but then elected to pitch to Mr. Uh, Byron Buxton, who is continuing where, continuing where he left off last year uh, before he got injured. And uh, is on a torrid pace, I suppose you could say. Um, I suppose. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, I, it's been pointed out on on the uh, on the twi- <coughs> tw- Twitter machine that uh, Liam is again tipping his pitches. They said it last week, and uh, I saw pictures from Buxton's at bat yesterday. And uh, looks like he's doing the same thing. Um, so yeah, yeah. And you know, I mean, you talk uh, just to you know revisit that whole torrid uh, start for Mister Buxton. Uh, if you ask his manager, Mister Rocco Baldelli, uh, he would say he is the best baseball player on the planet right now, and I do believe that is a direct quote. So yeah, uh, you know, regardless of Liam Hendricks tipping pitches i mean serving up cookies with first base open to the hottest player in baseball at the moment right now uh (laughs) i mean i don't know who made that call to just go ahead and groove one for him but uh let's just let's just uh yeah i don't know the whole world's talking about that one i don't really need to say much about it it was bad yeah, when Chuck Garfine is going on the post game show and essentially uh, screaming, "Why are you pitching to Byron Buxton in this situation? Three one fastball grooved over the middle. Not to mention he he knew it was coming because he's tipping his pitches with his his little uh, hand tappy that he does with the glove and the ball before he pitches and." Um, wasn't much of a mystery, you know. He and he hit it really far. Um, yeah, that was not just a you know, it wasn't a, a wall scraper. It wasn't uh, you know, it might go. He hit that ball four hundred and seventy feet. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty grim over here. I gotta say, um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> you it's know, and it's an funny too. Week. You bring up Chuck Garfine on the post game show. And, you know, I happened to watch that postgame show. We were, you know, my wife and I were out in the yard enjoying the beautiful weather that we uh, we had encountered here in the Chicagoland area over the weekend. Uh, spent a lot of time out in the yard watching some pretty bad White Sox baseball. <laughs> and uh, 
I was at the grill cooking for the last, uh, you know, inning and a half, two innings, and the, you know the game ended, and of course I was not happy, and <laughs> I was uh, vocal in that, and you know I- I'm watching the game as I'm cooking, and, and the game ends, and my wife says, uh, "Okay, can I change this now?" And I said, "No, I'm, I'm listening to that." Yeah, I-, I I apologize, but I'm listening to that, and and to hear the guys that are paid by the broadcast company, which Jerry owns, you know, guys that are kind of, you know, supposed to mostly toe the company line and all three of them being Chuck, Ozzy and Frank all had some very uh, critical words Mm -hmm. to say about that game and about not just that game, but the way that uh, Tony has managed over the last uh, few games. Uh, really kind of spoke it spoke volumes to me because those guys don't normally criticize that hard. Ozzy sometimes he you know he he did but he, normally he he backs it up with something. He'll 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 kind of do that reverse step when he does have something to say. You know, he he likes to do the whole sandwich thing. I'll I'll say something good, I'll throw something bad in the middle and I'll sandwich it with something good, but yeah. you know, he didn't have a whole lot good to say uh the last couple of games, so you know that, like I said, that it spoke volumes to me to hear those guys be so critical. Realistically, how many positive things can you say from the last week of baseball? I mean, yeah, <coughs> Lucas Giolito threw pretty decent yesterday, other than uh, some of the walks that he had. Um, but oh, actually, I, I guess he gave up uh, what like three singles in a row to start an inning, and still managed to, you know, he got himself into a little damage, bit of trouble. But- he definitely got himself in a little bit of trouble, but uh, you know the thing was, like you said, he limited he limited his damage. He was able to keep his composure and get himself out of some tough innings with uh, without giving up a whole lot. So kudos to him. And I mean, that's what a good pitcher does. You know, there's a lot of pitchers out there that get themselves in trouble. You know, or you know, a lot of pitchers that might have to deal with some uh, questionable defense to put yourself in trouble. But the, the good ones keep their composure and uh, get themselves out of some jams. So kudos to him. Yeah, uh, that's uh, pretty much it for the positive talk. I mean, I guess they did score four <laughs> runs yesterday, which was uh, exhilarating, um, and they well, did you know. take the lead for uh, you know for a little bit of time. And it uh, took them ten innings to score four runs, but hey, yeah. Uh, you know what was nice though is that uh, Danny Mendick, a utility player, uh, managed to hit a home run and. Uh, I think he scored the uh, the leading run in the tenth too, if I remember correctly. I was driving in my car, so I don't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure that he was the one who scored the run in the tenth. Um, Indeed, which is really nice considering that we're paying sixteen and a half million dollars over the next three years for a utility player, uh, so because he hit a three run home run in the. Well, uh, I was going to say you. You called Danny Mendick a utility player. I would say at this point in time, he is the utility player because apparently uh, our utility player is an everyday starter. True. Yeah. But, you know, as as we've mentioned before, is that the only reason that he is not a utility player and he is an everyday player is because Tony plays him every day. So, therefore, he is technically an everyday player because Tony LaRusso won't let him sit on the bench for longer than... A couple innings, realistically. (laughs) Um, So, um, good news today. 
uh, it, there are reports. It, it hasn't been made official yet. I mean, I've seen it, uh, you know, speaking, uh, you know, on Twitter with uh, AAA Jeff from Sox Machine and uh, seen it from uh, Francis Romero on Twitter. But uh, Yulbert Sanchez got promoted to uh, Charlotte. Supposedly, I mean, you know, we'll see tomorrow if we, he, sh- you know, if I turn on the Knights game and he's <coughs> actually in Charlotte, uh, then you know we know that that is reality. But so far, you know, uh, nobody has come out and said no, he hasn't been promoted. So I assume that he has been. Um, so that's a that's a plus thing. So um, you know, I kind of question why in the first place they sent him to you know back to Birmingham. But uh, you know, it could be one of those things where. They wanted to make him really prove it, you know, make him really prove that he deserved a promotion and that, you know, what he did last year wasn't a fluke and what he did in the Arizona Fall League also not a fluke. Uh, and it appears that, uh, that he did, uh, deserve it. Uh, I think he was hitting like 365 and walking all over the place. You know, he's got like 10 walks already through the first couple of weeks of, uh, double a so him going to uh charlotte so that puts some interesting uh pressure i would think on uh the guys that are already in charlotte uh to continue to uh, perform romy gonzalez who has uh started his season off a little slow yeah there's him and then uh laz rivera who's who's actually he's been hitting really really well and he's kind of one of those guys that's uh I, I would say he's kind of just a, you know, a footnote for most people. Most people don't pay any attention to him, um, but he's been fairly consistent for a few years now, uh, hitting you know around two ninety three, you know, to three hundred somewhere in there for uh, a little bit. I would have to look at his stats to confirm, but uh, you know, it seems like he's generally um, making some uh, some nice plays. So, um, yeah, it's going to put some extra pressure on those guys. We'll see what, uh, see what comes of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk over the last few months about the uh, White Sox farm system being thin. Uh, and you know, as far as like top 100 ring prospects, that might be the case. And you and I've talked about this. Uh, I've seen it on the socials from a few, you know, other people. That uh, you know, a lot of that is just waiting for guys to uh, progress and graduate. And there, w- there is a handful of guys on this team that'll probably make their crack the top 150, top 100 at some point. But to know that you've got the the kind of infield depth that's really you know starting to show out down there, uh, and you know, in Laz Rivera's case, like you said, he's not really starting to show out. He's been doing this kind of thing for a while, and uh, you know, he's got to be on the radar at some point if he keeps it up uh, consistency is uh, one of those things that you look for in a ball player. And he's pretty much done that. So always nice to hear, you know, uh, yeah. again, Romy Gonzalez uh, got a cup of coffee with the uh, MLB team. And uh, you know, now he's back down in the minors and he's off to a slow start, but Hey, you know, you could say that about uh, 80% of the uh, White Sox MLB club right now as well, too. And I know it's cold. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. You know, you know where it's not cold? Birmingham. That's true. <laughs> it is nice and warm in Birmingham. And, you know, 
sure that uh, some uh, of them could take a, a bus ride and sit down there and see just how warm it is. Um, yeah, I just uh, wanted to. Uh, has been, I'm sorry. Oh, I just wanted to bring this up since uh, since we're going uh, we're talking about prospects here, and <laughs> I wanted to mention um, two things here. Um, so I'll go ahead and bring this up. Um, it's been uh, in the last two days. Um, it's been some int- well, I guess I shouldn't say the last two days because um, one of them got traded away for Reese McGuire. And um, I know that, you know, he's not exactly a defensive catcher. I, I would say that uh, he's a, uh, not a, not a defensive catcher in the, in the, in the least bit. Uh, I was going to say, when you're saying not exactly, uh, you yeah. were being awful nice. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, uh, I mean, I'm not saying, I'm just saying, I mean, like, <laughs> we're buddies, you know, so I, I can be honest about him. Um, yeah, Zach Collins, not a defensive catcher, but you know what? The one thing that he could always do was hit. And uh, I read an interview this week uh, Zach Collins did in Toronto, and um, more or less one of the things that he was saying was that the White Sox were always trying to, quote-unquote, fix his swing. And the things that he had always done for his entire career, or, you know, like, that got him drafted, got him to where he was, uh, was his hand movement and uh, and his swing. And uh, that the White Sox had completely tried to uh, rework his swing to, quote-unquote, make it better. And it kind of... M- I felt that it was reminiscent of the Carson Fulmer situation um, where they draft this guy who's got a thing and it's just the way that he has been since he started and it's his thing and they try to fix it. And uh, this was from yesterday afternoon. Swung on and hit way up in the air to deep right. Tucker is back, and it's gone! Yeah, about eight rows back or so. Eight, ten rows back. For Zach Collins, and the Blue Jays have come all the way back to tie it. Wow. Charlie Montoya will do that with his hitters. He'll say, I got to give you some confidence. If you like that pitch, you've got enough power. Let it fly, big man, and he ties it up with one swing of the bat. Nice jacket. Blue Jays have Let's found go. themselves down. So, yeah. yes, I understand that it's 33 at-bats for Collins. And I will also be the first one to admit that he is a very streaky hitter. And that the pace that he's putting forth right now is likely not going to continue. Uh, he'll probably have a slump. But the thing about him is, and this was the thing that everybody talked about when people were, you know, ripping down Collins, is that he is an on-base guy. Is that even if he's not hitting, his eye's good enough that he's still going to get on base. Even and though he only has one walk on the season so far this so year. Far. But guess what? So far, yeah. 303 batting average with uh, a handful of dingers and seven RBIs already. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's, that's always been his thing. And, and I always maintained 
when it pertained to Zach Collins that I didn't feel with the White Sox that he was getting the kind of at-bats as a streaky hitter, number one, and number two, as an on-base percentage guy, that he was not getting the kind of at-bats that was going to make his value evident. You know, it was going to be one of those things where he looked like he just couldn't play baseball. But the thing is, is that the more at-bats he gets, the more his value comes out. And it's he's always been that way since he was with the White Sox. It's always been the same thing. Even when he wasn't hitting, he was still getting on base. So that yeah, was... Yeah, and uh, that thing you talked about that the White Sox tried to fix with him, you can actually see him do that thing in that video clip. Uh, it was talked about uh, a handful of times about how he was loading up on his back leg, and they didn't like the fact that he got off of his front leg. He had all his weight. He got off of his front leg early. Guess what he did in that at bat? Before that ball was released, he was on his toe on the front leg, and as it was coming out of the hand, that front leg was up. Yep. Off the ground. His toes were up off the ground. Yep. Uh, essentially, what he, the- he squared up that ball and hit it a long way. Yeah, Toronto told him, you do what makes you feel comfortable. And since he's been doing that and not thinking about what he's, quote-unquote, doing wrong and just swinging the bat, he's knocking the ball all over the place. Now, like I said, I don't expect him to continue on hitting, you know, 300 and hit, you know, 30 home runs this year. However, I do expect him to put up fairly decent numbers because the guy can hit a baseball – but he can also get on base. Right, so, and he's their starting catcher, so he's going to get plenty of uh, at-bats and time to uh, keep uh, keep his, his level of comfort at the plate, which is something he was never given the opportunity to in a White Sox uniform. Speaking of guys who never got the opportunity that they were uh, – that they probably should have gotten, uh, tonight, uh, first home run for a former White Sox prospect who – went and had uh, shoulder surgery and was released by the White Sox. And as soon as he was put on the waivers, somebody grabbed him right up. Brandon Crawford. Fly ball right field. Hooking into the corner and gone. Luis Gonzalez. A two-run home run, and the Giants have the lead. Back-to-back fastballs. This one in on him. He's able to turn on it and keep it fair. Pretty impressive at-bat right there for Gonzalez. Pretty impressive at-bat right there from Gonzalez. Uh, Another left-handed bat, just like Collins. The thing that everybody seems to think that the White Sox need, which is left-handed hitting, and yet two of these left-handed guys, both power bats, both gone, um, both drafted, um, and you know at least their bats were highly regarded. Luis Gonzalez is a, is a pretty decent outfielder. Um, he could play center field, but he's not uh, exactly equipped to do that. He's probably a better left fielder than anything. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's just just saying. You know, it's like these guys uh, these guys walk or are traded and um, left-handed bats. 
that uh, yeah that they supposedly need. You know, it's funny. I was uh, having a little bit of a conversation on the socials not that long ago, uh, maybe in the last two hours or so, about uh, you know there was a gentleman in one of the groups that wanted to tell me that the White Sox didn't have any problems with development, and uh, I you know. I said, wait a minute, you know, oh, we just trade away all our good talent. Well, the problem is, is when we trade it away, usually it's not all that great. It becomes good somewhere else. And there's a trend there because the White Sox don't develop position players. They haven't in, as far as I can remember in my lifetime, I'm going back 30 plus years, there really hasn't been a, a lot of position player development within the, in the organization from the nineties until now, you know, there might've been some during the eighties, uh, you know, but, uh, let's be honest, the eighties are might as well be in eons ago in, in the world of baseball. Uh, you know, it, it's just, it's a shame that you could point out, uh, bad drafting or scouting all day long. And you can say, well, it, it is what it is. But then there's those folks that say, you know, isn't it funny how every time a young White Sox player goes somewhere else and they do well? No, it's not funny at all. It's uh, it's an organizational issue where there's just no development. Or, like you said, the there is uh, something that the White Sox organization feels like they need to fix. And, you know, the old saying, if it's not broke, don't fix it, just doesn't seem to apply in, at the lower levels in this organization. Yeah, it's kind of I I agree with that. If uh if a guy comes into the league and you know, they send him to their rookie ball whatever and the guy's just not hitting at all, then okay, I get it. You know, if uh he goes through a season or two and he's not hitting at all, okay, fine. But the thing is is that as soon as he came in, they were already trying to change him. You know, same thing with Fulmer, you know, literally the exact same thing happened. So it's, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I don't think that it happens all that often with uh, White Sox position players, but I will say the reason why is because up until the last couple of years, the drafting's been pretty, pretty rough. And the thing was, is that Luis Gonzalez made it all the way to the White Sox. I mean, granted, you know, there were injuries, but, you know, he made it up here. And Zach Collins, you know, first round draft pick. So of course he got some, you know, some very uh, preferential treatment being a first rounder, which that I understand. Um, but you know, the talent was there. You saw at Miami that the guy put up pretty decent numbers. So right. Yeah, so uh anywho, um Ugh. Yeah, exactly. I apologize. I'm I'm going to the eyeballs again. Many allergies have been absolutely atrocious the last couple of weeks here. So anybody watching the stream, I, uh you know, I'm just gonna apologize now. Yeah, I got hit with it this morning. Cause I was sitting there my sinuses all screwed up all day. Um Yeah, no, I mean Luis Gonzalez, he has a good arm. Um, you know, I just he's not he doesn't have a Mike or Adolfo arm, you know. He's got a good arm, just not uh, not super, you know, Superman type of arm. Uh, but yeah, so <laughs> there's some uh, 
there's some stuff going on with the minor league stuff, and it's it's a bummer, you know. I mean, it's hey, there's a name. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that name. <laughs> it's yeah, he's been oh man, he's been, he's been tough this year, man. I like even when he's getting outs, I still don't feel at all comfortable. You know, there were some tough spots for him last year too, and there's just been this penchant for Tony to uh, let's just you know throw him in a close game late in the game and you know i get it his numbers are have been mostly good throughout his career but he's had his struggles he's he's been inconsistent and uh you know this season it has been more evident early on in the season yes it's early you know we did that whole segment last week where you know way too early numbers and uh you know bummer might be one of those guys that we could have thing but uh you know, the reality is, is if you got eyeballs, you see that he's just the kid struggling. And here we are, six games, six game losing streak. Seven. And the White Sox finally have a lead late in the game where they've scored more than two runs. And they're up three to one. And here comes old bummer. And immediately I went, what in the actual? Ah, yeah. Yep. That now mm-hmm. seven. <laughs> now now huh. seven. Now yeah. seven. Yeah, I mean it's uh, uh, there's not really a whole lot to uh, say positively about the last week. I mean, uh, True Sayer mentioned it early earlier that yes, some of the relief stuff has been good. Tanner Banks has looked good. You know, there's been there's been some there's been a couple of things <coughs> there that have happened that have been okay. But I mean, I'm just gonna go ahead and bring it up now. Um, Larry Garcia batting third twice and second once. Yeah, I was waiting for this. I mean, seems like we've been talking a lot about Larry in early early in the season here. <laughs> you know, last week we talked about way too early numbers, and the thing was is that their record was what were they six and two when we did our last show. Mm-hmm. Since then, they haven't won a game, and their stats have gotten worse. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's ugly, man. Yeah, Tony just wanted Larry to get out sooner rather than later. I suppose so. Um, and, and like this, go back to two thousand and uh, twenty. Um. Oh, was it? No, it's 2000 and yeah, and it's 2020. Um, Yonder Alonso. Oh, good. Or no, no, not Yonder Alonso. Uh, Edwin Encarnacion. Yes, that's the name you're looking for. Um, and Ricky said the exact same thing. We're just trying to get, uh, you know, Edwin going. And it's, it's along the same lines. The, the issue here, though, thinks he's Mike Gallego. I mean, does he think he's Mike Gallego or does he think he's Stan Javier? I mean, (laughs) um, yeah, it's how long do you try and get somebody going before you finally just toss it, you know? Because that year he lasted through the entire season. But, and you know the thing was was there was a lot of history involved in the Arsenal thing as well too because uh, if you look at his career 
numbers. He typically did take about 80 to 100 at-bats to heat up almost every season. Yep. Unfortunately, yep. when we got to 150 at-bats, he still wasn't doing anything. Yeah, that, so, I mean, definitely that. an issue. Um, but, I mean, the thing was is that, like you said, with Edwin Encarnacion, there was a track record with him. Right. You know, right. of hitting, you know, 30-plus home runs. And that's why they signed him is because he had a pretty good track record. I, I forget how many years in a row he hit 30 home runs, but the man had a skill set <laughs> that was, you know, had a good reputation, good clubhouse guy. Came here, yeah. fell flat on his face. Uh, you know, at this yeah. point, uh, you know, like we're realistically, we're looking at three years of – the same team and essentially the same results. Now last year, you know, I know that we have talked about this before, but they had your last year who basically put them on his back for a month. Yeah, he sure did. You know, in April and then in May, Jose Abreu and Mancada went bonkers. And then for like the first, like, week and a half they were still pretty decent but then after that they tanked and right now they've yeah. got nobody to uh to carry them on their back you know the funny Vaughn, thing is well yeah you can't get on the field half the time you know all right and you know the thing is as you talk about going into that you know second week of june or whatever it is last season where everything kind of tanked the, the thing is is it hasn't really spiked again since you know we maybe saw a little bit of an One offensive out- yep uh, we saw a little bit of an offensive outburst the last week and a half two weeks of the season last year where things look like they might be coming together a little bit and then you know we rolled into playoffs and we know what happened there we couldn't get any offense going whatsoever but uh yeah i mean this is not something that has been just you know i, I and this is just going back to the it's early argument you know, and I've been hearing a lot of that. There's a lot of people that are just like, you know, again, the uh, purveyors of sunshine and rainbows that we talk about here a lot. You know, it's it's early. This team is amazing. Everything's going to be fine. There's nothing to worry about. You guys are just, you know, impatient. Uh, well, I don't know. I'm looking back at the second half of last season rolling into this season, and I'm going there, you know, there's a little bit of history here that's longer than the first two weeks of the season right now. This is not something that just happened overnight and at the beginning of this year. This has been rolling since middle of June last year. Or not rolling, I should say. Uh, The fact that we are having this conversation in, what, the third week of the season? Like, it's enough to make you want to hit yourself in the head with a hammer. Uh, this is insanity. <laughs> at, at no point. Now, I understand that, you know, Rick Hahn didn't go out and get like a splashy signing and all this stuff, but here we are again. I saw a tweet from Larry Fitzgerald Sr. I don't know if you saw it on Twitter, uh, but he says that he's got a source somewhere in the White Sox organization that says that surgery's coming. Uh, for the hamstring that uh, Aloy tore the other day. And uh, 
And then you've got uh, Luis Robert also having issues, also injured. Mancata's still not back. Giolito just came back. Lance Lynn is still out there. Probably going to be another, what, like month, month and a half until he comes back. Um, Johnny Cueto not looking exactly uh, like a world beater the other day. Not that he really should be because for him it's more or less spring training. Um, Vince Velasquez looking like it's still early spring training for him as well uh, just because of his skill set not being the greatest. Um, I mean, I didn't think that we would be having this conversation at this point in the season. At no. no like I, I'd say probably for the, the first week of the season, we were allowed to be semi-excited because they were s- still winning games. But you could see in that time period that we're still looking at the offense and saying, this looks like the same thing that we saw last year. And here we are a few weeks later, and it's literally the exact same thing. What's up, Grimtaw? How you doing? Yeah, and you know the crazy thing about this is like, even though you know last year we went through you know injuries to starters, and then it was next man up, and next man up did his job for a while, and it kept the socks rolling. And uh, this year it's been starter, and next man up goes down. I mean, it's like one right after the other. I've never seen a string of injuries so bad, and so or I shouldn't say so bad because some of them. You know, they're, they're trying to say they aren't going to be so bad. But, you know, to see so many so early. And uh, I kind of made a comment about this yesterday on the socials. is, You know, yeah, it's early. It's great. But do the White Sox have any kind of real depth? Because now we're looking at next man down. Who's going to step up into that place? And if you look at this, it's been talked about a lot. And, you know, we, we started out this show talking about the minor league system a little bit and some of the bright spots down there. But uh, in reality, how many guys down there step into a, an MLB role right now and keep this team looking like a contender? Now, there are guys that are probably ready to step into roles here right now and could fill a spot for a while. But, you know, if we got guys that are, you know, and – I, I want to knock on wood when I say this. If Eloy really is going to have surgery, and it wouldn't shock me because what I saw on the field that day did not look good at all. Anytime a guy's got to be carted off a field, he can't get up until the cart gets there. Doesn't tell me six to eight weeks. Am I a doctor? No. But uh, there <laughs> you was stayed a, at a Holiday Inn Express last night. I did. I did. But you know what? The, the first thought that went through my mind was something snapped because if you look at his foot hit the bag and after that foot comes off the bag there's a ripple through his pants that look like a rubber band snapped in the inside of him ripple in his pants huh well i'm just saying in the back of the leg there the hammy yeah i I wouldn't be shocked if he's done for the season to be honest with you and even if he what even if he didn't have a complete snap tear six to eight weeks is a is a that's a no shot uh, no shot that's a that's a really really glorious outlook and even if he does come back in six to eight weeks we all know hamstrings tend to linger you know just ask adam engel ask nick madrigal who's on the north side now who had the literally the exact same thing happen you know i mean we're looking at the exact same injuries as last year 
And I've seen a lot of people saying, oh, well, who's not teaching these guys how to run the bag, you know, run through first base and whatever. And yeah, I, I get it. But I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, it's just unfortunate. Uh, we, we weren't supposed <coughs> to be having these conversations yet. No. We were supposed to be beating up on the Central Division, according to all the pundits. I mean, we, we've been, yeah, no, not so much. Magical has been terrible, but that's, you know, I, I don't. See, here's the thing about him, is that I don't feel that he will stay slumping for a long time. I think the contact numbers are good enough that he will eventually, you know, lean out and his numbers will regress, but, you know, progress back to his mean. Um, I don't see him being, you know, a bad hitter for the entire year. Just, a slump is a slump. Um, however, um, yes, the Dodgers are 11 and four and, uh, what the, uh, giants are what 11 and five or 12 and five, something like that. Yep. Uh, cause, uh, we were just talking about this before uh, before you hopped in here, Grimtall, that Luis Gonzalez just hit his first career home run for the Giants. And, uh, yeah, Kimbrell has been pretty decent. Funny how that works when people are leaving here that uh, we seem to be talking about this. That maybe something is going on here in the clubhouse or uh, something that's uh, just not allowing things to progress like we had hoped things to progress. Uh, You know, I don't really want to get into one of those modes, you know, where we're doing the uh, getting mad and uh, just doing the TLR bashing show. Um, Yeah, but there are clear signs that, uh, well... Maybe not clear, but there are, there is things that point to the fact that maybe he's lost his clubhouse a little bit because there are times even when these guys got a little bit of a lead, they just don't look like they have any fire. And I'll leave it at that. I won't go into the whole bash fuss because there's plenty of that to be going around everywhere. Yeah, man, it's 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 been tough, you know, and I didn't want him here in the first place. I haven't said most, anything most like, it. yeah, I mean, I pretty much haven't said anything nice about him, but I don't want to pile on at this point. I and mean, like, we've talked about this a lot, Yeah, but I mean, Leury Garcia batting third twice in a row and then batting second. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, oh, it's, it's ugly, man. And I like, I think he just got his, uh, just got his average back up to a hundred. Uh, he's now got four hits. Um, he does have a few walks. He's taken a few walks, which is uncharacteristic for him because uh, he likes to strike out. But he's actually kind of reined that in. But the problem is, is that he's not hitting the ball so well. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I don't. I, you know, I saw you... somebody in the chat say, you know, if if you want him to find it, let him find it in the nine hole, which. I can't really argue with that. You, that's, know, you that's got a team that's you got a team that's struggling to score more than two runs a game for those six straight games before the seventh loss. They literally were averaging two runs a game. Well, as a matter of fact, I believe it was eight eight games straight. They were averaging two runs a game. 
yeah. between the one runs and zero runs and three run games. It all averaged out to two runs a game. And, yeah. uh, you know, when that's going on, do you really want to put the guy that's one for 23 in the two and three hole? It's just when you've got Tim Anderson getting on base, he's actually doing some things. And you want to put a guy who can't hit his way out of a wet paper bag behind him? It's, uh, it's I mean, cool. it's absurd, man. I, I like, cool. I don't see how you could defend doing that. There's, it's not defensible. Uh, yeah, it's not. It's not. Uh, it's when not. You there see, are a handful of people on the socials that will try to defend it, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I, those are the guys that are still wearing their uh, homemade cutoff jorts and their dad's, you know, 1996 white and blue avias. You know what I mean? <laughs> wow. I haven't heard that in a while. Um, <laughs> yeah, negative OPS. Well, you can't have a negative OPS, but you could have a negative OPS plus. Uh, I don't know about the uh, OPS plus being negative. <laughs> Drew Butera had a negative 41 OPS plus with roughly the same amount of play appearances as Larry right now. Well, that does not bode well for what's going on right now with the $16.5 million man that we are currently employing as the utility player or or everyday player that happens to play a lot of positions uh, named Larry Garcia. I just wish he played at least one of them really well. You know, that's, I mean, we had this conversation last week is that. <laughs> If you if you are a utility player, shouldn't at some position that you play, shouldn't one of them at least be a net positive defensively? Shouldn't he at least even one? I mean, if just he plays one. all of the positions except for pitcher and catcher, you figure that he would at least be a net positive at one of those positions. However, uh, he has proven repeatedly that he is not. So therefore, I will not call him utility player. I will call him a warm body from now on. Okay, I you know what? I'll live with that. Let's go with that. He is now the warm body. Yeah, the uh, the the WB of the uh, the White Sox. All right. So uh, let's get back to. Uh, I was men- it was mentioned true. earlier in the chat, so I figure why not bring it back up since it's uh, actually positive stuff to talk about, so we don't get caught on this uh, this nonsense for the entire episode. Let's at least yeah some positives. Um, so uh, yeah, Misael Gonzalez uh, down at Canapolis, uh, he's hit a couple of home runs. Uh, Wilfred Veras. Uh, has hit his first two home runs in the last, uh, I think it was uh, Saturday and Sunday. I think Mm -hmm. it was Saturday and Sunday. If it was not Saturday and Sunday, it was Friday and uh, Sunday. Uh, He hit a couple of home runs. Um, Pitching at Kannapolis has had, again, a rough uh, go of it. Uh, Cole Seamus has looked really good. And actually, uh, there is a stat called Diggs. Uh, you can find them on the Twitter space. Uh, I'll find that for you here in one second. Uh, what they're actually called. Uh, yeah, i got to go to that one. Um, but there is a, uh, a stat called Digs, and uh, apparently um, Cole Seamus with the Cannonballers has put together one of 
the uh, best starts of, I mean, not that you really couldn't tell that when you see uh, mountains of strikeouts just piling up, Um, but he has apparently been named as one of the uh, top starters for this this so far this season uh, in a ball, which is, it's just nice to see, especially in Canapolis and with uh, the results that some of the starting pitching has had um, last week, uh, this uh, past week, another one of those Jared Kelly starts where, you know, he's throwing 97 miles an hour. Uh, velocity looks good. However, uh, just can't seem to command his pitches at all. And, um, yeah, pretty tough to watch, you know, it's he didn't even make it, uh, I want to say that he made it to the third inning, if I remember correctly, but he had like, uh, no, yeah, no, he made it, uh, through, I think one out in the second inning with 52 pitches. So not exactly what you want to see. Yeah, that's um, not good. <laughs> not good. Um, yeah, so uh, at Diggs Pitcher is uh, where you can find this uh, this account on Twitter, and uh, it's a defense independent game score. So uh, related to uh, pitchers, and uh, they would like uh, every couple of weeks or so they throw up the um, the best minor league pitching, basically that's out there and it's uh interesting to see who's where and uh some of the white Sox pitching has ended up on these on these lists over the last couple of years so um it's just something it's another thing to look at when you're when you're on twitter just something to add on yeah dj gladney's still been doing some good stuff uh still hitting um and then Colson uh, hitting a bomb the other day. Yeah, Colson hit his first home run <coughs> of his career the other day in opposite power or uh, opposite field uh, home run. Uh, the exit velocity was, I think it was only like 93 or so, but uh, it was a really nice, smooth looking swing. And, uh, you know. Yeah, and I mean, going oppo, you don't exactly, you, you don't, there's not a ton of guys that are going to hit it 109, 110. Yeah. opposite field so but uh yeah and you can see all that by the way uh on the white Sox's daily uh either twitter which if you want to see you know short in-game clips uh provided by our one mr ian eskridge but uh on the newly formed and newly started uh youtube page for uh white Sox daily uh ian has also been spending some time putting together a complete game highlights uh for your viewing pleasure if you want to see uh the whole shebang all together i would suggest you guys go check that out uh, he's been doing a pretty fantastic job of getting it all chopped up and put together for you guys and uh instead of seeing you know a minute to a minute and a half clip on twitter you can go and spend about seven eight nine ten minutes on uh on the old youtube and uh check out the whole thing uh fantastic job by the way uh Kudos to you, Mr. Eskridge. We really appreciate that. Yeah. No, I, it's, uh, you know, it's uh, labor intensive, but it's nice to be able to see that stuff all in one spot instead of having to search around for it on Twitter. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's nice to be able to, uh, you know, it's not like MLB where you can go and 
click on condensed game for all the teams and just watch like the the game really quick like you can with MLB you can't do that with MILB there's a lot of stuff you can't do with MILB and uh, half the time it includes using the MILB app it, that thing is brutal <laughs> um, but uh, yeah no there's I mean you know uh, Truth Sayer says love talking about our prospects but it's a bit depressing having gone through a rebuild and they are still our biggest bright spots not gonna argue with you really um you know when you go and uh you know when we've been through this whole process and we've been going through this thing for well like five years now and okay. uh you're watching starts six really yeah i mean technically yeah but you're looking at vince velasquez and dallas keichel in your starting rotation i don't care if it's from injuries or not at this point, I do not care. Yeah, they should either. be better than they are, and they should be managed competently. And yet, here we are. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, advanced day. Uh, Oscar Colas has slowed down a hair. Um, not uh, quite at the uh, pace that he was going before, but uh, he did have some nice, a couple of nice hits yesterday, and. Um, hopefully he's bouncing back a little bit and, uh, hopefully he'll make that push to, uh, to get sent up to, uh, to Birmingham. Although I will say, as mentioned, uh, earlier, um, that Tyler Nesloni is doing a bang up job over there at, uh, at Birmingham, along with, uh, Yoelke Cespedes and Craig Didolo. You know, you've got some guys up there that you want to get eyes on. So I I understand why they put Colas at Winston-Salem because you had a fairly decent amount of talent that you were going to send to AA already. And, uh, you know, it's like I I, on Twitter today, um, there was a account uh, or Texas Tech college baseball account that was uh, tweeting out Tyler Nesloni stuff. And that guy, since he came over from the Braves last year, the guy's done nothing but hit. And he's hit like, uh, I think I want to say last year, he hit somewhere around like 300, somewhere around there. And lots of extra base hits, generally hitting really well, still in Birmingham. Um, It's not like... Uh, you know, I look at the outfield that's put up in Charlotte, and you've got uh, they signed Mark Payton. They traded for Adam Hazley, which we saw him him start a couple of games this last week. Uh, do you feel that it was worth trading away McKinley Moore, a reliever with plus stuff, does does it seem like uh, Adam Hazley's the kind of guy that should even have been traded for? Because I kind of feel like they probably could have gotten a guy to ground out to second or shortstop uh, a bunch of times uh, for nothing. Yeah. And just play like a halfway decent defense. Yeah. And now with uh, with Aloy going down, we uh on to see more of Hazley. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you remember a certain uh, outfielder that uh, many folks thought might make the roster 
coming out of spring and it was out of options and was really kind of lighting it up. And, uh, and now, you know, I don't know. I, I'm looking for, I, I was hoping that, it, you know, maybe we get a little micro time, here, but I think we're going to get more of Hazley. Yeah. And I mean, what's Juan the point? I mean, I, the like I, I mean, I get it. Like, it's not like, uh, you know, exactly like Adam Hazley is exactly, or, you know, like Micah is uh, lighting it up down in Charlotte. He has, uh, I think all of his hits are singles, I think. So he's not exactly uh, driving the ball. And, you know, I guess, you know, he did have two weeks of unforced time off, more or less, or right. a, a forced time off. So, right. you know, it's not like I'm blaming him for, you know, for his uh, his slump necessarily. Um, but I will say that uh, it's not exactly looking – great you know i don't uh if they did if they didn't bring him up i wouldn't really hold the, hold it against them i mean from you know i had thought to myself you know and i know this is uh getting a little tinfoil hatty but um i would 100% not be surprised if mikers just mailing it in right now because he's well, he, he knows see, how that was my oper- he knows how this organization works and that he's not going to get a shot. That's that was kind of where my thought was going when you say that he's not exactly lighting it up. There is that the two weeks time off that you mentioned, but uh, there's also the fact that you know here's a guy who again you know Carlos Rodon, the White Sox see him through all those injuries and and watch him do everything he can to, you know, work his way back to what, you know, was thought could be of him as a player only to be uh, not just, you know, out of options and, and being put out there unprotected, but I mean, he just, it just let go in general. They did, they didn't try to protect him at all. They didn't try to do anything. You know, and maybe they knew something we didn't. There was a lot of us that thought, uh, you know, he would get scooped up right away, but uh, he didn't. He cleared, he cleared waivers, and you know, the Sox signed him to a minor league contract. But you know, at that point, what what kind of message are you sending to the player? You know what I mean? Uh, and and what kind of confidence does that give a guy who has spent all this time in the minor leagues? And now he's feeling like he's never going to see a big league club. Like, eh, you know, it's got, it's got to screw with your confidence and uh, really kind of take the wind out of your sails, you know? Yep. Yeah. You bring up, uh, bring up Rutherford. Rutherford's had a, a nice, a nice week. Uh, he had a nice week down in Nashville. How about I say that? Is that when he was in Nashville this week, he had a good week. And the thing is, I don't know if it is because of Nashville and he just had a good series or whether we're talking about, uh, you know, Blake Rutherford finally making, you know, making a step, you know, taking a step and getting to the next level. I don't know. It's going to be one of those things that I guess we'll see as it comes down here. But I will say that... Uh, Looks like he's kind of um, maybe ready to play baseball, and that uh, he's kind of uh, 
found his thing. I don't know if you uh, happen to catch it or not. Triple uh, A Jeff uh, that writes for uh, Future Sox happened to uh, post a video of an interview that uh, Blake Rutherford did with him um, that they've started using uh, a higher velocity uh, pitching machine for batting practice instead <laughs> of uh, the the normal like uh, you know pitching coach or whoever throwing the, the batting practice and that that seems to have helped him understand where his where his swings at before the game starts and that's one of the things that's kind of helped him kind of put his swing right again well you know there's the old saying you uh you you play the way you practice and if you're practicing at game speed you know there's uh there's probably a better chance that you're going to be ready when you get to game speed when you get into the real game situation so you know i can't see why that wouldn't work and i don't see why it's not done more often yeah uh i mean i will say it doesn't look like it's helped Adolfo at all cuz he's still hitting uh dribblers so no yeah i agree that Adolfo would be dumb to mail it in but you know Again, I'm just going by what I've seen in the last week. Uh, he just does not look. <sighs> oh, Bozy, how you do that to us, man? Uh, Bozy says throwing batting practice. Did I miss a Vince Velasquez conversation? Oh. Uh, <laughs> well, we did bring him up. Uh, I didn't say that, but I mean, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, I mean, we're really trying not to. Uh, we're really, we're, we're trying not to be our normal selves here. To, but uh, you know, as difficult as that is at, during a seven-game losing streak, we're we're trying not to bash the same things that we've been bashing for the last four months, anyway. So, but uh, I guess the chat doesn't want us to go that direction. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, like uh, I don't know how many of you guys were there during the uh, during the uh, open time opening timer, but uh, we're listening to uh, "I'm All Right" by Kenny Loggins, and um, don't nobody worry about me. Yeah, we're mm. trying to trying to keep it upbeat here and uh, not have the same stinking conversations over and over and over again because. That's how I feel. I feel like it's Groundhog's Day, you know, is that, you know, I keep on seeing the same stupid mistakes made, the same problems with the team, and, you know, it's like how, how often can you sit here and talk about the exact same thing? Because, I mean, it's it's none of it's changed. It's, it's literally been... Uh, I wouldn't say none of it's changed because there is one thing that's changed a little is that uh, those stupid mistakes we're seeing from uh, you know a coaching perspective seem to be happening even more frequently than they were, and that is disheartening. That is difficult, difficult to watch. Yeah, it's sad. I mean, it's uh, are are we watching the mental deterioration of one Tony Larusa? I don't know. Uh, it's you know what it, that thought has crossed my mind as well. It's very possible that you know the guy is uh, definitely no spring chicken. Uh, we've seen every meme that you can throw out there of him with his eyes half open, looking like he's 
you know, half in the bag. We've heard all the jokes about, you know, bottles of wine and TUIs and whatever else. You know, I'm not going to get into all of it. I'm quote any of it. We've heard it all. But uh, the one thing that uh, seems to be happening, you know, we obviously, I don't believe that, you know, he's drinking before games or in the dugout or anything like that. You know, you can throw all them jokes out there all you want. I don't believe that the team would allow that. I don't think that that would fly. I don't think the clubhouse would allow that. The players wouldn't allow that. Somebody would be calling them out. But, but this there's that but it's uh it, it's shocking to uh to see those same mistakes over and over and over again and to hear those same kind of apologies and that one's on me and this one's on me and this is on me and that's on me and I'm gonna take the blame and do the exact same thing tomorrow. That's uh <laughs> that's that really that's is. literally exactly what it is is that he's going to apologize but the very next day i will be 100 percent unfazed if the exact same thing happens again is that that we keep on having this conversation of why is this you know why are we talking about this again and uh you know we saw some of the uh lineup shenanigans last year and uh you know here we are we're talking about i mean and it's even worse this year we're talking about larry garcia hitting in the three spot and in the two spot i mean at no point no matter how bad and how many injuries this team had that I should never be a reality I, ever. Why, why would you even think that that's an okay thing uh, you know like in the two spot if you know, uh, if some of these guys' legs fell off <laughs> and and seven out of your nine original starters in the lineup were all injured, I could see him batting second. But at no point ever would you ever just the type of hitter that he is, would you ever pit you know, hit him in the three in the three spot? Never ever. Have no, no. It's generally reserved for a guy who can hit you, you know. At least twenty bombs in a season, but you're looking for a, a thirty home run hitter in the three hole. You're looking for a guy that can do twenty five to thirty minimum in the three hole. A guy that's going to get you eighty to one hundred RBIs. Leary Garcia has never, and you know people talk about track records. We brought it up earlier in the show. We'll bring it up again quick. That he has a track record. That track record is not one that says I hit anywhere close to 25 dingers a year or anywhere close to 80 RBIs, even when I'm getting 120, 130 games a year. Not going to happen. Why? It's just, it's, whew, I said I wasn't going to go down this route, so I'm just going to let it go, but it's mind-boggling. That's, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, uh, like, we kind of have to like toe the line here of not letting ourselves get tricked into uh, into sitting here and going down that rabbit hole where we're just gonna sit here and riff on the on the same thing because I mean it's literally the exact same stuff over and over and over again it's it's unfortunate. Yeah, um, True Sayer says in the chat here, you can't tell me that the players aren't wondering what the heck is going on when Leary is hitting three. And that's kind of what I was getting at earlier when I said, I, you know, there's 
something that it makes me feel like maybe you're losing the locker room. You're, you're losing your clubhouse because, you know, obviously as a player, if I'm Jose Abreu, who, you know, was MVP just a couple of seasons ago, uh, and, you know, I've been hitting – a hundred RBI. I've been scoring a hundred RBIs a season for most of my career. And, uh, you know, and then you got guys like Yasmani Grandal, who, you know, fought his way through some injuries and has come back and, and came back strong. And, you know, you got the Lewis Roberts and the, and the Aloy Jimenez all the, you know, or even better yet, Tim Anderson, who has just been maybe, you know, the top two or three hitters in baseball the last couple of years, the last three seasons or so. Uh, and you can't tell me that these guys are not looking at that lineup card. What the F is going on here? And that doesn't take the wind out of your sails. Now, I mean, as a player that never played anywhere close to this level, if I saw that, I would not feel confident about the abilities that my manager has. And that's going to take the wind out of your sails as well, too. You're stepping onto the field already feeling like you're at a disadvantage. Yep. It's like who who is this who is this mongoloid that's making our lineups? Right. Like, what is going on here? Like you're Larry you're playing Garcia. a disadvantage. What? You know, we talk about all these these injuries being a disadvantage. When you walk onto the field, knowing full well what those injuries are, and, and you look at your bench and you go, "Well, this guy's sitting down, but he's hitting the ton out of the ball when he is in the games." And this guy over here is sitting down, but he plays a better outfield than the guy that's out there right now. And this guy over here who could be playing second base is sitting down, and he's already hitting better than the guy who's playing second base right now. Uh, why is this happening? Why are we not being put in a position to win some ball games? Yeah, they brought it up on, uh, on the score earlier today. They were talking about uh, how in uh, 1979 Mike Squire's got put in the three hole and uh, similar awful stats. And the guy who made up that lineup card uh, also Tony La Russa. Mm-hmm. So it's just, uh, you know, it's one of those things is that maybe he's not losing his mental faculties. Maybe he's just an idiot all the time. And the thing was, is that Dave Duncan was like, Hey dude, knock it off. You know? And Tony's like, what, what am I doing? And and Dave would go over there and slap his hands or hit it with a ruler or something. Yeah, I mean we are talking about you know like you know forty years ago at this point. Um, <laughs> you know would go over and smack his hand and be like, "Don't do that." You know maybe it was like there was like a you know like a, a symbiosis there that like allowed him to say, "Hey, don't be a dumbass. What you're doing here is absurd." And ridiculous. Don't don't even entertain that. Well, you know, and it's funny you bring it up because now you got Joe McEwing or Debo uh, on the bench. But I mean, you know, they've been calling Joe McEwing Super Joe, Big Joe for the longest time. And Ozzy in the post game show yesterday said, "Why are we still calling him that?" <laughs> He's just he, Joe. Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like he's uh, just Joe. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm just like, does nobody have the balls to actually speak up? That's see, now that's the thing is that I did actually listening to the score earlier today. Um, I did hear that, um, that there was an interview with, uh, Ethan Katz where 
they were asking him about the defensive positioning with the pitchers and that he basically blew it off and said he doesn't pay attention to it at all, which is, you know, interesting. You know, I mean, I kind of the way, the way that I looked at it was, you know, it's like, uh, that's not my job. He has, he has (laughs) his marching orders and that's the way he's going to do things, you know? And uh, that it's not his exactly not his job to to worry about you know like where the defense is positioned. I will say, on the other hand, that it is definitely on Miguel Cairo and McEwing to say this is the pitcher's strengths and this is where you should be set up when so and so comes up, and that that should be you know, probably a joint conversation, at least a little bit. But, you know, he said that he doesn't pay much attention to it because, you know, TLR, Super Joe, and Miguel Cairo were handling it. So, you know, I, I, I don't. Yeah, apparently they're not, though. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what. Like, I, I don't know what the assistant coaches. <sighs> really talk I don't know how much they talk to him about any of this stuff you know and because you know we're off on the side and we are not uh, in the room well let me answer this question since you since you say that and uh you know I don't know how much baseball you've watched outside of the White Sox at the MLB level uh last year or this year because I know you're spending a lot of time watching minor league games but uh you know I try to catch as much uh, even out-of-market games that I possibly can. And, uh, you know, the one thing that I noticed on other teams, it doesn't – I don't see a whole heck of a lot of on the south side right now, is you'll see a manager standing on the rail in a dugout with at least one of his coaches alongside of him. You'll see them discussing. More often than not – the only time I see Tony up at the rail is when he's getting ready to make a strut out onto the field. He's standing at the top stair of the dugout, and he's there by himself. And when he's not standing there, I often see him sitting by himself. There's a lot of times there's nobody anywhere near this guy. There he is. There he is making his way out onto the field. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, you know there are there's a handful of times here and there where you see somebody talking to him, but I feel like it's far and few between compared to. Other teams, and I just want to know. I just want to hear from the chat. Uh, hear from you if you if anybody else is the same thing. And am I just imagining this? I don't know. I mean, I mean, obviously, there's like uh, you know, with the uh, with the age factor and everything, and the Hall of Fame credentials and everything, is that there's going to be like a certain you know bit of respect there. And, you know, with him being the, uh, obviously the full-time manager, there's going to be like, you know, a bit of a halo around the other coaches, at least, uh, you know, around him to the other coaches, at least a little bit that, uh, you know, is going to cause like, uh, some sort of, uh, a gap there. But, uh, at this point, I mean, they should be communicating. It shouldn't be shouldn't be an issue. Well, right. You know, here's the thing. I I don't remember 
who said it. It was something my dad said to me when I was a kid. And when I heard it said uh, on TV, I want to say it was probably about two or three years ago now, I heard another manager say that, you know, what makes me successful is I surround myself with people smarter than myself. Uh, and, you know, uh, the same guy, same interview. God, I wish I could remember who it was now because go back see if I can find it somewhere. But uh, it was something that I saw on MLB Network. And uh, during this interview, you know, he said coaching was a collaboration. You know, I might I might have the title of head coach, but uh, or manager, you know, whatever. And uh, but, you know, I always rely on the guys that are with me in a dugout in the trenches every day to uh, keep me abreast of everything that's going on. Because, you know, there's a lot of moving parts in a baseball game. It's, you know, there's a reason there's more than one coach to be out there, to you know, to handle all these things. You're not going to be able to see and catch everything. So uh, it just kind of, I find it odd that, yes, okay, he's a Hall of Fame manager. But uh, at the same time, you know, when you talk about that halo, I think to myself, well, you know, he's a Hall of Fame manager who's aging, who's, who's out of the dugout for nearly a decade. Uh, why not lean on the guys that have been, you know, doing this for the last 10 years a little bit more? Sorry, I had to stuff something in my face. I'm sorry. No, man, by by all means, I'm sorry. I stopped talking right at the too. Go ahead, chew it up, spit it out. <laughs> no, actually swallow it. Yeah, you like, look the, like you're, the thing you is, look like, like you're losing weight right in front of my face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, like the the whole dynamic in the in the dugout really seems like it's just it's weird. You know, it doesn't seem like it's a um like an actual coaching staff. You know, like, I mean, the the hierarchy of the manager with the coaching staff is definitely there, but it seems like it's disconnected. Yeah. I mean, does that make sense? I mean, it seems like there's not like, uh, it's not, it's not being run how you normally see a coaching staff go, you know, like, I feel like there's too much of a disconnect there. Yeah, I cannot disagree. I cannot disagree. Uh, another thing I saw on the socials just in the last day or two was uh, somebody asking, you know, all this uh, all this vitriol towards uh, Mr. LaRussa. You know, well, everybody wants to complain and say that he needs to go, but nobody wants to offer a solution as to who we hire afterwards. And I first thought I had to myself was, I don't know who you're asking that question to. Because uh, if you ask any baseball fan, they they probably say, "Well, you know, warm body that uh, is turning cold before our eyes." But uh, yeah, I mean, if you're really looking for a real man, all hurt, and you are the perfect person to ask this, since you do watch as much minor league baseball as you do. Uh, you know, it's been talked about as Justin Gershley being the future uh, for a while now. How do you feel he's managing his uh, Barons down in Birmingham? I mean, they play, and they play hard. Um, and uh, I, I know I the win loss column doesn't always reflect, but yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, there's the uh, the thing that you've got, you know, some guys who are just org level guys, you know, right? So. You know, you're gonna every once in a while you're gonna have like a a black hole in your eight nine in the order. 
you know? Um, but I don't ever, I, I will say this, I don't ever look at the batting order and go, why is this guy batting third? There's you know? my, that's what I was waiting for. That's exactly the answer I was for. From, yeah, I, mean, I just, already knew that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, it's like, I, I don't, I don't look up and see, you know, like a, like an org filler guy. Like you generally don't see them like bad in second or any, third. Any, well, I wow. mean, you, you might, if that's their skill set, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't well, look right. at anybody's place in the order and go, that guy shouldn't be there. It's usually like, okay, this guy, you know, like he's got experience and his, he's like the, uh, the skill set might not be a hundred percent there, but I mean, like this is, this guy is like the prototypical, this kind of guy, you know, like I don't see him trying to force a, a round peg into a square hole, you know, I guess that's what I, what I mean to say. No, and I, that's pretty much exactly the answer I was looking for when you say that, you know, you're not seeing the Leuris batting second or third. Uh, you might see a struggling bat in that position, but, you know, it's because that's where they normally should bat. Um, you know, and that was just kind of my point is uh, you, when these questions are asked, who do you plug in? Well, I don't know. I just want somebody that's going to give me a lineup that looks it, it resembles a lineup that was, you know, put together with some sort of, I don't know, thought instead of throwing darts at a board or, uh, you know, I'm going to take my worst hitter on my team and try to light a fire under him by betting him third when I'm in the midst of a losing streak because my team can't score runs. Yeah. Now just give me a man. Just give me any manager that doesn't do that. Well, I will say this, that when I see the uh, lineup cards for the, uh, the Barons, they're not done in calligraphy, and they don't have flowers on them. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, can't, well, that's I just mean, what they've been working. Really, is it really a that's lineup card been... if it's not like that? Because that's what Omar Vizquel used to do too. They well, you know, that's what oh, Omar Vizquel. Let's not talk about him. Uh, yeah, there that, he had a dark cloud hanging over his head, unfortunately, because he was talked about as the future of. Uh, White Sox coaching at one point as well. But, uh, you know, somebody made a mistake. <laughs> so, yeah. but yeah, uh, you know, calligraphy, that's it's probably just what they were uh, working on in Arts and Crafts at the home that morning. Grimtall says that maybe JR will talk Hawk out of retirement so he can fire TLR again. That would be, that would be something. That would be really funny. But I, I mean, you know, I, I will say I don't think I've seen this contested on Twitter a lot lately that Han is just as much to blame about about everything that's going on here because he didn't leave when Larusa was hired. Is that he should have just quit his job and left? one of the 30 jobs like his job in the world, uh, he should have left that job because his boss went over his head and hired somebody that he did not want, which, yeah, you know, in real life, that's not Twitter because Twitter is, as we have 
as you should know, Twitter is not real life. Um, you don't just up and quit your job, especially when there's only 30 of these jobs on the planet. You don't just up and quit because the guy who owns the product that you are that you are trying to work with uh, does something that you don't like. Um, so, I mean, I will say that there are some things that I kind of disagree with, you know, as far as like the uh, the budgeta- budgeting of things, like spending $30 million on relievers when you need uh, a right fielder and second baseman. Uh, however, uh, you know, uh, second baseman wasn't really uh, – there weren't very many second basemen out there that I would have really wanted to spend a lot of money on. And, uh, the outfielders, you know, I would have liked to, I, I, you know, me personally, I would have liked Starling Marte and I thought he was available for a decent amount of money, but you know, whatever. No. And here's the thing. I I have no issue with them signing pairs. If you're going to take the money that you would have used to sign a better second baseman and put it into somewhere else, instead of using a three guys, Put it, give it to me on one guy who's going to give me 140, 150 games this year that's going to make an impact instead of three guys who are, you know, going to play 110, 120 games at seven different positions. You know, yeah, or, I mean, it's the or, same or, thing. Or an yeah. outfielder that's an outfielder that's, uh, you know, a career minor leaguer and, you know, is built like a toothpick, who now we're going to see a lot of. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, same thing that uh, has been happening for years, you know, and uh, I did see that there were some things mentioned uh, on Twitter this week that, uh, you know, this has kind of been like a a, G- a JR thing for a long time, you know, where he'll sign fan favorites and he'll sign relievers because he can live at the top of the market with the relievers. But the, uh, you know, you get the best closer and it's still not going to be, you know, you're still not looking at uh, top tier money for a player, you know? So, you know, and the funny thing is, is, you know, Yolmer Sanchez was a a fan favorite and a clubhouse favorite. I would have rather seen him than uh, the legend. And, you know, at least Yolmer got himself a gold glove. He could play some D. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at least, you know, like when you look at it, you know, mentioned this last week, you know, that, yeah, he started off slow that year that he got that golden glove, you know, the gold glove, and people wanted mm-hmm. to launch him into the sun that year, but he turned it around in such a way that he got a gold glove. The unfortunate thing is that, you know, he's barely hitting above his weight, so that was kind of a problem. But, uh, well, not that Leori's doing any better. I mean, he's a career, what, 660 OPS? Like, come on. Yeah. Nobody can ever convince me that the Lowry extension and the TLR hiring were Han's idea. Yeah, I mean, I, it doesn't really seem to uh, go with his MO. You know what I'm saying? No, we watched him build a, a, a monster of a, a farm system. For a few years, being albeit uh, most of it through trade and international signings, but you know we watched them build this 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 team that we were all told was expected to be contenders by twenty twenty. You know they were on a four to five year plan, 
And here we are, 2022, and we're seeing a lot of really unhan esque moves in the last six months. And, yeah. and, and there, what does that tell you? I mean, Han did all these great things, and he, we, we were patting him on the back left and right. And, you know, there were a bunch of them that shocked all of us. As, as well as he was doing, there was still, he, he would pull a rabbit out of his head where you go, how in the heck did he pull another one off? He's hoodwinking, guys. He's hoodwinking teams left and right. He's scooping up international uh, players at a furious pace. And then we get to this offseason where it was like the White Sox were asleep at the wheel. And, and it was just very uncharacteristic since Han has been, since we were told he was given full control, even though he had taken his title a couple of years beforehand. But it was pretty obvious then that he had not had full control. You know, when, when we were told he was given full control, we saw what full control was. And now we're seeing something different. So, yeah, I, I have to say that, I am not convinced that he has full control at the moment. I agree with that statement wholeheartedly. Yeah, I mean, I I'll uh, address what's in the uh, in the chat here. It's not that I've had the life sucked out of me by all of this. I, I'd say that it, it's more that I've had a bunch of the excitement sucked out. You know, I it just the the overall tone set by this team. Uh, has just, uh, you know, that coupled with just, again, you know, here we are looking at uh, a mountain of injuries, and it's just an absurd amount of uh, of, of injuries, you know? Uh, Eloy is probably going to end up being gone until, like, probably July or August or something at the, at the minimum. And, uh, you know, and that's if everything goes perfect. And, uh, you know, now Liam Hendricks is tipping pitches again, and he's got back problems again. And uh, Yeah, now they're talking about he might miss some time as well. Yeah, and it's just like I am aggravated because I was not happy with the moves that were made in the offseason. I'm not happy about the person that they've deployed to make the decisions on who's playing Mm -hmm. in the field every day. Um, everybody, literally everybody on the team, except for Andrew Vaughn is severely underperform, underperforming. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not to suck the life out of me. It's just, uh, I'm not excited because it's It's, it's it's hard to be excited. Yeah. It's difficult to be a fan even before this seven game losing streak. Because a lot of the stuff that we're talking about now was evident before they started actually losing games. They were staying, they were beating some good teams, and they were they were beating these good teams. But there was they weren't they still weren't scoring a ton of runs when they were doing that. The offense still wasn't stellar as we were kind of sold that it should be, and that oh this team is finally healthy and yeah. all going to play together, and uh, you know. Before all these still this hasn't happened because Mankata was out from the from the very beginning, you know? right? You know the hip is is still an issue at the at the moment. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's I, yeah. It has it, none of this is really like I'm with you. It hasn't taken the life out of me. It just makes it really difficult to be a Sox fan right now when years really not a whole lot of positives to draw on at the moment. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and again, this is the one time I will say it's early, and and I will agree with the it's early folks. There is still a chance to turn it around. There's there's no doubt about that. It is, we're not all dooming here. We're just calling it how we see it at the moment. Now, if things turn and change, and you know, there's those fans of oh, when I, you know I had a guy tell me, well, when they start winning, you know, don't start cheering. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, okay, uh, thanks for telling me how to. Thanks for telling me how to be a fan. Yeah. I'm just supposed to be. Well, he's a better fan than it. you. So I mean, that's the thing is that he can tell you because he's a better fan than you, and you should realize that. He doesn't have anything to complain about. He's going to go out there with his big foam finger and his White Sox pennant in the other hand, and he's going to wave them both in the air like you just don't care. And uh, I'm just not a good fan because I'm not doing the same. Correct. Well, you know, you know what I got to say to you, pal? Shove it. <laughs> that guy is a better <laughs> fan than you, and you should recognize you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, well. Just understand that you. he's a better fan than you and just yeah. move along. As he's yeah. told you how <laughs> you are to fan, and it's that's it. You're good. Hey, look, I, you know, and I got nothing against it. Go ahead. Rah, rah. Do your thing. I'm going to do mine. You do yours. And, uh, you know, again, uh, we are not what you would call in the in the inner circle of, you know, we don't, we don't have any sources or, you know, we're not baseball insiders, but uh, at the same time, we have been pretty good prognosticators on this show and I hate to do it, but I'm not sorry to do it. And, uh, you know, I told you so we've been telling you so for months. Yeah. It's not like anything that has happened so far wasn't outside of things that we had mentioned since June no. of last year, you know, and I understand that there are a few different players on the team, but for the most part, your core is a hundred percent the same. And the thing was that you let your best pitcher walk and you didn't make any upgrades in places that you needed to upgrade. And Oh, by the way, the guys who were supposed to finally be back healthy, well, they're injured again. So right. I will say oh, this though, uh, Michael Conforto, Season-ending shoulder surgery, so yeah, there's a win. I'm just, I mean, just I'm saying. not rooting for the guy to get hurt. I'm just saying no. it's a no. Of course, uh, not. he did not end up on the south side. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Uh, and you bring up the fact that uh, oh damn, I just lost my train of thought. Uh, oh, the injuries piling up. I wanna, I wanna just reiterate there's all these folks out there talking about how there's a new strength and conditioning team that is false there is not a new strength and conditioning team i want to clear this up right now what they did was they hired or they promoted a new head of the department from within the organization that was part of the old broken department so you know pass the word all these people talking about well, i don't understand there's a new strength and conditioning team. It's new strength and conditioning coach. Now, the, the strength and conditioning coach that is running the show was already part of the Sox organization that's been injury plagued. I can't even talk now. Injury plagued for the last three or four seasons. So, uh, just something uh, to chew on as I watch Ian chew. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> says, I disagree. They did, uh, they did upgrade right field. And I will say, yes, they did. Upgrade as long right as field. he can stay healthy. He has That's not played problem. a whole lot yeah. yet to this point. 
Yeah, he's got, what, uh, three games in him this year? Well, actually, two and a half. Yeah. That's not right. Uh, here's hoping that, uh, you know, he can come back and find his, uh, well, he did play yesterday for a little bit, didn't he? Didn't he swing the bat? Yes. I did yep. see. Uh, yeah. So, um, but, you know, his timing looked off, which is, you know, to be expected when you miss a little bit of time. So I'm, I am hoping that uh, he comes out or he comes back the way he came out early on in the season. He was swinging it pretty good. He looked like he was dialed in. Uh, but, yeah, A.J. Pollock, I'll agree. That was uh, that was. But health is a concern. Yeah, I would say that, uh, you know, that uh, this this, you know, isn't a new stream and that the things that we've been doing with YouTube, it's not new. It's, it's, I'd say it's like reimagined. Yeah. You know, we reimagined things and uh, now things will 100% be better because we reimagined them. What kind of crock of BS was that? <laughs> We're reimagining our strength and conditioning department. As, I, I as don't I even s- know what that means. Yeah, don't I don't even know what that means. As I said, instead of reimagining it, why don't you just imagine something better and then fix it? You know? <laughs> Somebody did mention, and it was something that I was interested in, and I didn't, I, you know, I haven't taken a look, and I don't even know if this data is even available anywhere. But uh, somebody had mentioned that I bet that the White Sox are paying their training staff less than other teams. And I was like, you know. I'd actually like to see the figures on that and see, you know, like if that's a thing. I don't know if it is. It might might not be. I mean, it could be that they actually make the most out of any training staffs in the entire MLB, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I, are those numbers even public? Is that something you can I don't find know. Somewhere? That's the thing. I, I would have to, like, do some <laughs> digging and see if I could find something, which uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I really don't know either. Uh, it would be, wouldn't it be something? It would just paid? be par for the course, wouldn't it? Oh, our highest paid coaching department <laughs> sucks. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't know, man. I, like, I, I'd say that, like, overall, the staff for the team might be the highest paid staff of any baseball team in Major League Baseball, but I would say that that would be just because. Tony LaRusso is probably making the bulk of it and whatever else, you know. But then again, you know, it is the White Sox, so we don't actually know what the contract is, how long it's for, or uh, you know, what any of it. I'm means, guessing. Really. I'm, I'm guessing he didn't come out of uh, you know the offices of Anaheim to uh, you know make uh, 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 you know pocket change. I'm, I'm just guessing. I wouldn't think no. Yeah, I would think that it would probably be uh, for a significant amount of money, but I don't yeah. know. Uh, you know the rigorous, uh, or at least what normally would be called the rigorous lifestyle of a, of a major league manager has got to come with uh, some pay, especially when you're in your late seventies and you've been working in a front office as an advisor for the last ten years. I think it would have to. Uh, you'd have to throw some money at him to convince him to do that. Yeah, Jr. will pay, but he loves to pay the wrong guys. I'm sure 
Paul Konerko is probably making like $10 million a year still. You know? Probably somewhere buried as some sort of advisor or something. I'm sure he's probably still on the payroll. Uh, he was with the Diamondbacks, but I think he was with the Diamondbacks. Was it the Diamondbacks? I thought that he went to the Angels before he came to the Whites. What, did he come to? Yeah, I think. Because he was with the Diamondbacks. And then he, yeah, I thought he went to the Red Sox and then the Diamondbacks and then the Angels, I thought. I, I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah, either way, it, you know, okay, if I was wrong on that, I know he the Angels at some point, you know, working as an advisor. Uh, but, yeah, either way, I mean, he's been – the point is is he's he's been in an office-type role for, you know, nine years before he was re-inserted in, into a managerial position. Yeah, he hired Dave Stewart, didn't he, in uh, Arizona? He did. <laughs> he did. Yeah, that went well. <laughs> oh. I'm I'm surprised uh, Scott Spezio isn't working for him. Some he loved the heck out of that guy. Yeesh. Uh, you know. Yep. <sighs> Anywho, um, yeah. So that's about all I got for this week. I got uh, sinus things killing me, man. Um. So, plus that, and we got no wins to talk about this week. So uh, there's that that's limiting conversation no. a little bit. No, and, you know, we tried our darndest not to let that let this thing get out of control. And uh, considering the last week, I think we did a fair job at it. And maybe not. We weren't we weren't exactly perfect, but uh, we did a fair job and not letting it turn into a trying to not pile on, you know? Yeah. You know. It's not like it everybody is it else is, isn't doing it, it isn't actually doing that. I mean, everybody else is killing him right now, which I'm not going to defend him. That's for sure. Uh, no. Yeah, ran the team into the ground. They're still trying to undo all of Dave Stewart's mistakes. Yeah, no kidding. Although I will say that they uh, that Seth Beer thing seems to be working out all right. Tank for beer. Play bad. Dang play badly for, for Adley. Um, yeah, so, uh, hopefully next week we have some, uh, some nice things to talk about and, uh, don't want to, uh, stick a fork in a toaster at some point during this week. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm really hoping that there's like something good to think about in the next week because yeah, this has just not been it, man. It's, uh. It's been a tough. It's been a tough watch, you know. I mean, it's like they're not doing, you know, like can you see like uh, it was like four errors in the same inning or whatever the heck it was. It's awful. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, we could take the good news that uh, you know, obviously, Luis Robert, uh, his injury was not all that bad. He's expected back. Yeah. uh, Tomorrow. So day to day. As it were, yeah. Aren't we all? Is what everybody says after somebody says that. But, day to day, um, aren't we all? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Lucas Giolito comes out yesterday after missing some time, and uh, like we said earlier on in the show, he looked. Uh, you know, he looked decent, even though he got himself in some trouble. Uh, defense didn't help on him some situations as well, but uh, you know, there's some positives there. 
Now we just need to uh, see the offense do its thing and score some runs, and uh, hopefully we can come away with a few wins to talk with talk about next week. <coughs> uh, yeah, let's hope, man, because uh, you know. Uh, yeah, I don't know how much more of this garbage I can take. To be honest, yeah, with you. it'll just be one of those things where this is gonna, you know, we'll end up watching more minor league baseball than the than the parent club just because it's so brutal. At least, you yeah, know. but you can find a lot of that on Twitter. Or on, I'm sorry. Well, you can find a lot of it. You guys, if you haven't done it already, go subscribe to the White Sox Daily YouTube channel. It's well worth a watch. You can find all of uh, of Ian's uh, minor league work there, and uh, you can find it all in one place. So it's really nice to see. Yeah, Joe Kelly's still rehabbing, so we don't know when he's going to be. Uh, don't know when he's going to be back. It's kind of one of those things when you get uh, bicep nerve issues or elbow and it was that elbow, was bicep, elbow. Right? i think it was bicep bicep was nerve issue that uh you know it's gonna take a little bit of time for him to get back i mean hopefully it doesn't turn into a carlos rodon situation where they're trying to rehab it and then they end up having to send him for surgery anyway that would just be perfect well let's hope that's not it would be such a white soxy thing to do it really would be um yeah so uh at daily white Sox uh on twitter uh, this will be in podcast form, a uh, little bit chopped up um, uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, there's a new article from uh, one of our guys, Logan Hards, putting out an article. It should be out tomorrow, early tomorrow morning. Uh, you'll see that on Twitter. Or if you're already subscribed to uh, whitesocksdaily.substack.com, it'll be coming uh, in the early morning that way. And... Uh, Non-repairable nerve damage like uh, Scott Hatterberg. Yeah, Scott Hatterberg. This is the way, White Sox. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, and, uh, you know, with our new YouTube channel, you can find the YouTube in our, uh, in our uh, what is that, our profile, our uh, bio on our Twitter and on our Facebook. And uh, we also, like I said, we have a uh, Facebook uh, group as well uh, where you can get uh, all that stuff uh, showing up on that timeline as well. Uh, thanks for coming into the uh, into the chat tonight, guys, and uh, bringing it because uh, I've got allergies. He's got allergies. Everybody's got allergies. No, you've got allergies. Um, thanks for uh, thanks for coming and chatting and, uh, and keeping things rolling uh, when my brain didn't want to keep going. And um, and get out there and tell your friends about us. We are yeah. growing. Do that. Uh, we are growing every week, but uh, we uh, we like to see the growth. We like to see the new names in the chat, which yeah, is nice. Thank you all for that. But uh, get out there and tell somebody. We love you guys. You guys seem to love us because you're here every week, and we appreciate yeah. that. So uh, you know, show that love by uh, spreading the word. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, hey, push your robot. I didn't see you. Thanks for uh, thanks for stopping in. New Fallujah tomorrow. Uh, well. Send me a send me a link for it. I huh? check it out. Um, yeah. So uh, until next week, uh, hopefully we've got some more positive things to talk about next week, and uh, hopefully everything is awesome. Um, <laughs> everything is awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hopefully everything <laughs> is indeed awesome next week, and uh, uh, another Chris Pratt uh, vehicle, uh, the Lego Movie, um, and uh, hopefully we've got lots of good stuff to talk about. Uh, thanks for coming in. Thanks for uh, keeping it lively. And uh, you guys have a good good week, and we will see you guys next week. 
Night. Thanks.